Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who carved down an 11-year career in Major League Baseball, playing in over 1,000 games. He was selected in the fourth round of the 1998 Major League Baseball draft by the Philadelphia Phillies after standout seasons at the University of Miami in 1997 and 98. After his successful playing career, he founded the Big League Approach, which is focused on teaching the mental side of baseball. It is a pleasure to welcome the man they call J. Mike, the one and only Jason Michaels, WLIE 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thank you for having me on. It's absolutely our pleasure. And it's interesting because your road to the majors is very different than the standard road. As you were a graduate in 1994 of Jesuit High School in Tampa, the same school that produced major leaguers Lou Pinella, Dave Maganin, and Brad Ratke, you were a standout there hitting over 400 in each of your three years there, which earned you a selection in the 94 Major League Draft in the 49th round by the San Diego Padres. You choose at that time not to sign with the Padres, and you go the junior college route instead. Why did you feel, you know, any kid drafted out of high school, that's that's the dream. The dream is to be drafted by a major league team, but yet you decided not to sign and go the junior college route at the time. Why did you make that decision? Yeah, um, yeah going, through, going through high school there, I was the only player on my team that year of the seniors that got drafted. Um, and I really didn't think I was the best player, but... Uh, you know, I was pretty consistent. I was actually an infielder, and then I got called up as a sophomore to be in center field and ended up doing really well going to the States uh, my sophomore year. And, um, you know, it, that, that was it's just how, you know, the recruiting process led me. You know, Dad and I probably sat down and wrote over 200 letters, you know, to all these colleges. Or now you can do an email, you know, and attach a video, but... You know, did it the, the you know the long way, and uh, end up going to a showcase over in Orlando and getting. I just wasn't getting recruited, and then um, end up going with this junior college up in, uh, matter of fact, up in uh, the Panhandle, uh, called Okaloosa Walton Junior College, or now it's called Northwest Florida State College. I mean, beautiful facilities, great team, um, and it, it was it was a. That that door opening for me, it was it was able to open up a lot more doors for me. And you know, when I talk to you know my clients now, um, my high school kids, you know, I, I try to let them know, and I also talk to the parents to say, hey, keep junior college as an option if your goal is to play baseball and you know beyond. Um, you know, because I just I wasn't getting recruited by Division One or really any four year schools, maybe do D two D three. But it's so hard for an incoming true freshman to start on a four-year university. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are. I'd like to find out. No, but, it, uh, it's, it's astronomical. Yeah. I remember going through that when we were coaching travel ball, that you know, junior college mm-hmm. was a, a great option for a lot of these kids. And the choice for you to attend junior college turned out okay as you put up some really good numbers, 421, nine home runs, 45 RBIs, which earned you the Panhandle Conference Player of the Year in 96. That moved you up five rounds in the draft at that time. This time you're selected by your hometown <laughs> team, the Devil Rays. But once again, all right, so, so now you've gone that route, you've jumped up in the draft, but yet you then decided to not sign and move on to the University of Miami. 
Which of the two drafts, those first two, were a tougher decision? Because now you've done the junior college, you've put up good numbers, another team, your home team is interested, but yet you don't sign again. Which of those two caused you more stress? Well, you know, so now how they did it at a high school then was a draft and follow. So I was drafted by the Padres at a high school, and they had my rights all the way up to about two, two weeks before the next draft. So into my freshman year, you know, they still had the rights to me to sign me, and they, start, they really upped their money probably to like a mid to high, um, you know, like, a, like somewhere between seven to ten round money at that time. And, you know, which was good, but I, you know, I had one home run in my high school career and then end up really started to grow my freshman and sophomore years and started, started playing better, getting more confidence and seeing some good pitching. And uh, it was probably turning down the San Diego, the one out of high school or after my freshman year, basically, of college, um, you know, the double raise at the time, they, I don't think they even gave me a, uh, you know, they didn't even offer me any money. <laughs> well, then, so, then, then that decision yeah. was pretty easy. <laughs> but Right, it, it was. It, but, you know, here I'm sitting there going, okay, great. I'm, I, I, had, I was really going, I was going that year, it was between Miami or LSU. And that, I don't know if you guys remember, but that was the year that Warren Morris hit the walk-off home run against Miami in the College World Series. Right. Hmm. Wow. Dad and I were driving up to the Cape Cod League. I was playing the Cape Cod League. I was one of two junior college guys to go up there and play. And we were watching the game, and we didn't even see the walk-off home run. <laughs> but, I mean, it was just kind of, you know, being able to go to junior college, next thing you know, the top two college teams in the, you know, in the nation wanted me to be in their outfield. Wow. Well, and so that, I thought that was, you know, it, it didn't really hit me until later on. But, uh, you know, I, got a, I had a good scholarship to go to University of Miami, continue my education, uh, just because it's so hard to make the big leagues. It really is. Once again, you, that turns out to be the correct move. Right. As a Hurricane, 97-98, you play in the College World Series. Yeah, both yeah. seasons you make the College World Series. Your two seasons as a Hurricane, you hit 396, which is the third highest in school history. 34 home runs, 10th highest in school history. 154 RBIs. In 97, you set a Hurricane single-season record for hits with 106. Doubles, 32, and total bases, 189. Once again, you're selected in the draft in 97 by the Cardinals in the 15th round. But once again, you decline and return to Miami for your final year of eligibility. Granted, 15th round is not big money, and you had that decent offer, you said, from the Padres back out of high school. One second. You you talked about the hits and the RBIs. You didn't talk about the average. I did. That's 411. 396 lifetime Lifetime, there is the highest, right? 411. That's quite a year. It's a great year. But now... I'm thinking as a 20-year-old, right, you've done, mm-hmm. you, you've, you know, in the back of the mind, A, there's always a, a chance of a bad season, an injury, something happening. How tempting was it at that point to sign and not return for your final year at the U? Well, you know, that was my best probably season statistically was my junior year at Miami. We had, you know, we went to the College World Series that year which was my first experience, uh, which was an, just an incredible experience. Um, and I really had a good year that year. And I was, you know, I was upset. I really was upset that I didn't go higher. Um, but then I started to think about it a little bit more. You know, the Cardinals, I mean, great organization. All the organizations are great. And Cardinals, you know, were, offered me some money. But I was, in essence, I was, hey, I had a bigger scholarship to go to the University of Miami and continue my education. 
Um, and but I was I, I, I took I took that one pretty hard because I thought I did really well knowing that coming back if I come back from my senior year that I don't really don't have any negotiating power. Right. You know, so I stayed focused on school uh, and also use use that that you know what I felt was I guess at the time as an insult. You know, because I did have a really good, uh, really good junior year, and to be drafted in the 15th round, I thought I was better than a lot of the other guys that were drafted in front of me. But so I used that as my, you know, as my chip on my shoulder, and it really, you know, propelled me to have a have a good senior year, and you know, for the Phillies to take me. And as a matter of fact, you know, Pat Burrell went number one overall that year, and he lived with me. And my other roommate, Alex Santos, for the last couple of months. So it was kind of neat to 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 hear what he was going through because he was the number. He was going to be the number one pick, pick right. and everybody knew it. So we're talking, um, and he's the one that actually told me that I was drafted oh, wow. uh, that year about ten minutes before a, one of our College World Series games. I think it was our last game, actually. So we're talking with Jason Michaels here on Sports Talk New York, five forty AM WLIE. Looking back at that outfield on those two years, 1997, Pratt Burrow and Aubrey Huff. So you're playing mm-hmm. the three of you on the team. And what type of talk do you have over the course of both <laughs> seasons about the fact that you're all going to be headed for baseball careers, you think, and hope? And what do you look at? You talked a little bit about Burrow. What do you think? What do you think? How does that set the, the dynamics of what goes on on the team? <laughs> I tell you, and I look back and just – and, and laugh and giggle about some of the stuff they were saying. You know, I mean, I hit third, Burl hit fourth, and Aubrey hit fifth <laughs> most of the time. Or Burl would hit third, I would hit fourth. But I mean, that was so fun. It, it really was. We had we had a great team, great chemistry. I just you know, I look back, I'm like, wow, we were pretty cocky then. <laughs> you know, just very immature as as I look back at it. But it was I mean, just a great time. Um, and the fact that year that. You know, I think, I don't know, we had nine or 11 guys drafted off that team, and uh, Aubrey went in the fifth round, Burl first, and me in the fourth. Um, it, it was just, it was a real fun, it was a real fun team, real fun year, and it was unfortunate that we didn't, um, that we didn't finish it out that senior year. You know, it's also interesting to note, we, we mentioned the great players, but we, what we failed to mention so far is that you played for the legendary coach Jim Morris, whose teams qualified mm-hmm. for the NCAA regionals for 32 consecutive years, 23 at Miami, 9 at Georgia Tech. He won two national championships, 99 and 2001, earned National Coach of the Year honors in both those seasons. What did you learn from the two years playing under Coach Morris and your time at Miami? You no, know, he he was great with the X's and O's. Great with with uh, managing players. You know, um, you know me and Burl and and Huff were probably the you know the leaders of the team, and we we put our spikes on. We went out there and we played hard every night. But you know, and 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 Coach Morris really uh, he, he let us play, but he really he really controlled the X's and O's really well. And, you know when to do, uh, you know, butt, hit, run, pitching changes, all that stuff. And uh, you know he was a very even keel. I mean, yeah, he he got on us, you know, behind the scenes, but he was very even keel, and that and that resonated, you know, through the rest of the team. You know, you you mentioned the fact that you went into that senior year with kind of a chip on your shoulder, and mm-hmm. you take a look at that draft history from mm-hmm. beginning to end. You moved up 45 rounds over the four years, and to fully, really appreciate that, 
You went from being the 1,323rd player selected in the 94 draft to the 104th player in the 98 draft, which means you jumped 1,219 spots. I guess the big question is, how different of a player were you over that four-year span from the 94 draft to the, the 98 draft? You know, I, I just, you know, keeping my foot, keeping focused, I think I was pretty consistent, but I started to grow. You know, my freshman year, I probably put on 20 pounds and, you know, got part of a weight program. I think now now it's a little bit different. All these guys are big. I mean, some of my, you know, freshman clients are bigger than me. Um, you know, it just, it, and there's more emphasis now on weight training, uh, sports-specific training uh, with these guys. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I always, I... I don't. I don't think I was. Ever, I was never the best player on the team, so I always played up. I think you know, kind of the you know, I guess you know, the big brother. You you kind of you know, always tried to be the big brother, and um, you know, just grinded it out. And you know, one of the things I look back to, and and I talk to my clients about now, is guys. I mean, there, there's so much. It's not failure. It's negative results in this game. And I said, I guess I was able to to throw these these negative results in the trash sooner and be able to focus on my next pitch or next at bat or next fielding play, you know, better than the other guys. Um, you know, as far as I'm like trying to tell guys, guys, you got to be able to handle the failure. You have to, you, you, you cannot, you know, you can't keep going. Even, I mean, I've played with and against guys in, in college and in, in the minor leagues that are just superstar talent superstar talent but they just they couldn't get over you know they had too many they had too many valleys they had too many negative results and they would you know hone on those negative results and not turn the page and you know and and uh, and focus on that next pitch or that next play and that's you know AJ and I talked about that a lot in travel ball like yeah. the, the guys that had the million dollar talent but 10 cent brain mm-hmm. right? that's that's the key you know so you start your climb in, in the Phillies minors in 424 minor league games in the Phillies farm system you hit 282 52 home runs 264 RBIs a couple interesting notes about your climb while the Mets have a pretty well-known college quarterback in their minor league system and an NFL guy yeah. to boot you had a pretty good running back as one of your teammates in your first season as a muck dog yeah. Ricky Williams more importantly, you had some really good hitting coaches on the way up. Guys like former Cardinal Glenn Brummer, Milt Thompson, mm-hmm. Jerry Martin. What coach in the minors had the biggest impact on you and why? Oh, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a real tough one. That, that really is. I mean, I'm going to say probably Gary Varsho. I mean, if I had to pick one. I thought that's early my... on in your career, right? That's like almost you, in the beginning. Well, Gary, yes, Gary Varsho was my double-A manager. Yeah. And then when I got to the big leagues, uh, you know, Boa uh, was my manager, but uh, Varsho was the was the bench coach. My all four of my years with with Philly, and you know, Varsho and I were kind of similar players in the big leagues. You know, roll guys, pinch shake guys, spot starts here and there, could play for two weeks. You know, straight. You know, give some guys some breaks. So I think that he really he molded me. You know, knowing that's kind of how because. Kind of how the, the the player I was going to be if I was going to be in the big leagues, and how my role was probably going to be. Um, so probably Gary Varsho, but I mean all the coaches, the whole staff coming up through Philly. I mean just a, just a great staff, and I you know I've been a part of five organizations, 
all great organizations, but everybody's philosophy is a little bit different. Um, that was, I thought I was very lucky coming up through the uh, Philly organization and then getting time up there. I know one of the guys you credit as being a big influence on your career is a, a good friend of the show, a guy that whenever I'm down at Met Fantasy Camp, I, I just love sitting and talking to him, and, and that's Tank Todd Pratt. Oh, Why was gosh. Todd so important to you? Oh, you know, he was one of my mentors, so him and Dave Hollins. And, um, you know, Tank, I, I've loved to watch Tank play. I loved it. I loved to hear him being a veteran catcher. I, I learned so much from him, you know, when I was on the bench, especially when I was young, I kept my mouth shut and my ears open. And, you know, when I felt like I was able to, you know, ask a question, I would do that. And I would really, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make this game easier. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to figure out how do I stay up here and I can sit down to the minors. And uh, Tank was, was awesome. I mean, it, you know, I mean, he, was, he was a locker partner pretty much every road trip. Uh, you know, him and Burl were my locker partners. And, um, you know, even when, when Jim Tomey came there in 2003, or, yeah, 2003, um, you know, he was right there with us. So, uh, and Dave Hollins as well. I mean, uh, it's just, it just guys, just hard-nosed old-school guys that say, hey, Rook, this is the way you do it. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, it's tough now, and it's the way the baseball has changed because, I don't see that much mentors or mentorship going on. It's just the way baseball is. So that's, you know, through my business, the big league approach, that's what I'm trying to do with, with my younger guys. You know, even, you know, I, I do a lot of high school guys, college guys. I got some minor league guys too. But to mentor them and talk to them about, you know, how to use your brain, how to use your head. That, that, I have to tell you, that was a pretty dead-on, you know, tank impersonation. Hey, Rook. I mean, he, he, he calls everyone in fantasy camp Rook, so it's oh – I, I just got, got these big old hands. He doesn't even need a catcher's man. Oh, yeah. You, you, he you, these huge old hands, big head. Yep. He's an intimidating guy, you know, intimidating yeah. looking guy. Yeah, he shakes your hand and you feel it for a week. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, about a year Absolutely. and a half, you're into MLD.com about the big league approach and starting and doing – you talked a little bit about what – Dave Hollis and Todd Pratt meant to you as mentors. And you talked about how locker rooms and I want to go a little bit more explore that. You say people, you know, they're in there on cell phones now and playing video games, doing this and that. So whose fault is it, do you think, that the emphasis has been away from thinking baseball, talking baseball? Talking baseball. And how, how, how do you get that back in a locker room when everybody's all in their, their you know, social media and cell phones. Yeah, and to, to take that one step further, how does that also take away from the team approach where guys would bond after a right. game? You know, Keith Hernandez mm -hmm. talks about this all the time. Like, after a yeah. tough win, a, a tough loss, yeah. the guys would be talking about the pitcher. He says they don't do that. The second they're in there, they're on their, you know, social media, yeah. text messaging. So that, that's a two-part question. So uh, good yeah. luck with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not exactly sure where to start. It's just the way, the way it has, has changed. You know, I think I think, what was it, 04? I think it was 04 when they came out with the, with the picture uh, cell phones, you know, where they can take pictures of the camera cell phones. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the you know, organization sitting down having a talk with us about this, saying, guys, you know, hey, you know, you, you, you got you to stay private. And, you know, it's just that the media wants, they want information, give it to them, you know, but let's, you know, you don't need to give everybody everything. <laughs> You know, as far as in with guys with these with these cell phones and stuff like that, it's it's just the way it's gone on, you know. And um, you know, it have to conform, and I have to do that as far as and you know when I when I do my mentoring with my clients. 
yeah. have to do the yeah. same thing. And it, it's tough because they, they, these guys are under a, uh, a sharper, you know, you know clearer eye, a uh, public eye right now. So it's, you know, they need, you know, they, 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 they need to say the right things. And, you know, we've, we've heard some of these guys come up on social media about things they say freaking 10 years ago, eight years ago, right. or something like that, or however yeah, long yeah, it was. Past two weeks. Yeah, past two and, weeks. And how, how much of a teachable moment? Or that's with the, the kids you're dealing with now when you've got the, you know, the Sonny Gray tweets. And who's the, the Milwaukee pitcher? Right. Uh, uh, Hater. 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 You know, the All-Star mm-hmm. game. The All-Star game. The All-Star game. game. It's and crazy. How, how much of that, how do you use that as a teachable moment for the kids you're trying to groom when they want to have some sort of professional baseball career? Exactly. I mean, that's, and it really is. It's not really much I have to say other than, guys, here, here they are. They're in the big leagues. I mean, something comes out. You got to be careful what you say. You really do, and that—that that to me is the you know the problem with social media. But it is what it is. You know, I mean, you guys want social media. Understand that you're liable for every word that you say. Period. Absolutely. You know, and, and I can, I've seen I've yeah. seen what I I coached with the Nationals, and you know these guys. This was I don't know, five years ago, and. Um, you know, and guys would have these tweets in the minor leagues, and the, you know the organization would get wind of it. And I'm going, man, don't, don't give an organization a reason to send you away just because because over some some tweets. You know, you let the play. You know, I mean, if you're not playing right, or that's what it is. I mean, it can't be over social media. Well, no. I mean that that is a, like AJ said, a teachable moment. Like when we were mm-hmm. teaching travel, my message to the kids were, you know, once they hit a certain age. Everything counts. Everything you do, whether it be in school, everything then start having consequences. And I said, you, we would tell the kids, you never know when the scouts are. And you might not do something great at bat, but if there's a ball that, that's thrown at a base and you're an outfielder, in the right field and left field, and you're backing up first and third, They'll that gets noticed. Yeah. And if you don't do that, that counts also. So that, yeah. that was the message that everything counts. So, but I'm wondering now, and we, we see it at the major league level. There is a lack of fundamentals in the game. Guys no longer know how to bunt, no longer know how to hit behind the runner. Uh, it's all about... Don't, don't know how to run. Don't know how to run the bases. Right. Don't know when to run the bases and, and what situations. So for me, and I, I love, I mean, I, I, I devoured your website today, and I, I love the philosophy of the big league approach. Each client, the goal is the same, to provide the best mental approach to ensure on-field success, mm-hmm. uh, how to control anxiety, how to deal with failure, how to prepare, how to stay motivated and inspired, how to be, this is the big one for me, how to be professional on and off the field, how to be a good teammate. Now, for me, all right, and again, you know, people say I'm a dinosaur. I'm old school, okay? I don't believe sabermetrics and analytics ever show you what's in the heart of a player. I'm convinced that if sabermetrics, analytics, and launch angle, you know, was around in 1962, the guy who's got the most hits in Major League Baseball never becomes a Major Leaguer in Pete Rose. You know, that guy got more out of desire than talent. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, as the big league approach, you, you, can you bring that heart out in a player, and how do you mentor him to, to get the most, you know, above the neck out of his, his you know, talent? Yeah, I mean, that's, it, it, it's so physical in high school. It really is. And I was the same way. And, you know, it, it was, it's probably 80-20, 80%, 20%, probably physical to mental in high school. You got to be an athlete. You got to be good with your feet. 
you know, and put the, put the barrel of the bat on the ball. Did I have any idea what I was doing? Not really. No. Just going over reps and reps. And then now having my career, having my big league career, you know, of my years playing, I had, you know, I, I was a starter one of my, you know, one of my 11 years. So I had to use my head to have, you know, to come off the bench to face these eighth inning, ninth inning closers, you know, these guys. And, and it's usually a crucial situation. So, I, I mean, there's so much pressure riding on it. And, you know, it, and nowadays with this travel ball is happening so much, I mean, there's so much emphasis on winning. You know, there's not that much emphasis on fundamentals. I mean, there there are organizations, travel organizations that do fundamentals, but a lot of it's you know during the uh, you know doing the the the, uh, the games, you know, the showcases. So, you know, I, I I'd like to in, in, you know instill the fundamentals as much as I can with these guys and keep talking to them and use the voice and use the fact that I. I do have a platform that I've been there and I've played at the highest level for 11 years. And that credibility, you know, I really get some good, I really get some good feedback from, from my players. I mean, just as even as early as 10 and 11, you know, talking to them about their approach, uh, not just to hitting, but to base running or to, to you know, to defensive play, uh, how to be a good teammate. Good Lord. I mean, it's, it's, you know, baseball is kind of a, you know, it's a team sport, but it's kind of selfish. You know, there's always a next level up until you get to the big leagues. And I really didn't understand how to become a teammate, a good teammate, until uh, Todd Pratt and Dave Hollins and, and seeing it in the big leagues and being taught firsthand. And that's too late to me. I could have been a better player. I mean, definitely could have been a better teammate coming up and inspiring other guys, but you know, having this the, the mental the mental side is so important, and it and it gets more out of your of your out of your talent. It really does. It it it, it really completes your talent, or your overall you know overall being a baseball player. So, who would you say? How would you describe your typical client, and what would you consider a success story with that client? You know, when my clients came in, I said, guys, if we if we work together, I will never ask you. If you get a hit, because I don't care. You know, there's the process is, hey, you guys, you got to swing at strikes and take the balls. I'm telling you, if you focus on that, you're going to exceed expectations. And it's so hard. It really is. I'm, try, I'm trying to find a little bit easier way to get in with these guys to understand, guys, yes, getting a hit's great, but you can't put everything on that. There's so much pressure. I mean, there's, I said, you have no idea how much pressure you have that you're putting on you just as personally. You know, trying to please your parents, your coach, your teammates, the other guys. I mean, there's it, that's hard to hit that way, and uh, you know, I mean, you, you need to take it. You got you got to take it slow. You got to take it slow, and you got to have a plan. You got to have a plan, and and it's really it's not hard. I mean, it's not a complicated plan, but it just needs to be brought to light, and I have to bring it up to these kids. And but I'm, I'm getting a good feedback, and whether I can get a kid to make his JV team. Or a kid to make his varsity team, or a kid to make college. You know, I mean, I, that's a that's a win win big time for me. You know, or them to come back and say, "Hey, I had great at bats last night. Perfect." That's what I want to hear. What have you seen as some of the differences between the players that are coming to you now in that this generation, as opposed to? the players that you played with in the minors or in the majors, mindset. Well, the ones when you started sort of being the roving mentoring coach. Right. What are the major differences between the generations? How do I tell you? I mean, I think these players are bigger. 
they're bigger, they're stronger. Um, there, there, there has been some fundamentals. Yeah, when I was with the Nationals, I thought the scouting department did a great job getting some some good quality guys, and then now it's up to player development to develop these guys. And at that time, you know, the Nationals had a great farm system, just great all the way up and down, and some great players. They really did. I, I remember sitting there. Uh, I was with the rookie ball guys, so it's 17 to 20 year olds that I was with mostly. But I, you know, I did travel throughout the organization, and I'm watching these guys, and these are kids, you know, and they're all. I said, guys, there's not much difference between you and major leaguers, and they're looking at me like I got three heads. And <laughs> it's it's just you know you get a little bit physically bigger, you know. I mean, y'all can field your position, you know. I mean, you pitchers, everybody's throwing 95 to 100. You know, and you can you can hit. You can most of y'all can run. I mean, just good athletic, good athletic players. You know, and really it comes down to that your your mental side, your approach. How do you handle failure? I mean, Jim Tomey said it best in his speech. You know, just I mean, you got to be able to handle the failures of this game or or the negative results you know, that I like to say to my clients. <laughs> Where can people get in touch with you or find out more info on the big league approach? Absolutely. I mean, I, I do a lot of I do a lot of phone and Skype as well because a lot of there's a lot of talking. I do a lot of physicals, you know, the you know the swing stuff, the or, or you know the swings, uh, you know the running, the base running, which I enjoy enjoy talking about defensive. But the bigleagueapproach.com, um, and you know I'm I'm available. You know I'm available, and I'm just I really enjoy what I'm doing. I've got a lot of great clients. And it's really picking up. Uh, I might have to reach out to you. I have what? How many months before fantasy camp, AJ? Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> August. Well, you you guys, well, one of my one of my clients yeah. is uh, is a fantasy camper for the Mets. My at, oldest at the Mets. Yeah, for the Mets. Which, uh-huh. which, he's, a, he's a huge Mets fan. His name's Russ Bruno. Okay, I I, I don't know. I'll have yeah, to look. Cool. He's I my he's my oldest client. He's probably going to be mad at me for saying that. But <laughs> yeah, he's a huge Mets fan. His whole family's a huge Mets fan. And just just a great guy, and he's been the last two. And I helped him, you know, a couple of years ago before the you know the first one he went to. And I guess he did well, and he was you know thanking me. I'm like, but you did it. You're the you're the one that executed it. I mean, you you did great. You know, and he was. I think locally I'm going to be working with Frank Catanolano for my swings, but maybe from the mental aspect, I, I might have to give you a ring. We really appreciate your time tonight, Jason. Thanks so much. Absolutely, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Our pleasure. Jason Michaels, 11-year Major League veteran and founder of the Big League Approach.